if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hired this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going on Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Sunday Fun Day. I am so excited. I have somebody iconic. I'm trying not to cry. Um, <laughs> so welcome, Sarah Cutares. Hey, how are you? Man? Oh my God, this is like a dream because I'm trying not to get emotional. Oh, you're getting for clamps? No. Because <laughs> um, this woman... Let me introduce my story with her and everybody else in my audience. In 2007, I will never forget, I was living, I think I was living in Vegas. I remember there was the Latin divas of comedy. And I remember, and word for word, I remembered your whole act through this wow. day. Everything <laughs> from the cigarettes to um, the, <laughs> the, the cereal. Oh, you you got to get the pack of Newports. <laughs> your your wife, I because it's YouTube, we have uh, your daughter and she's good looking. You're going to do corn. Like I, I remember everything. Wow. I'm really flattered. Holy and cow. This is so amazing. I have remembered this act just like, um, and again, the only person I could compare you to in my mind is George Carlin, because I remember a lot of his stuff because I, you know what I'm saying? Thank so you. when I first saw you, I've always, first of all, I've always loved comedians. Um, I love, I never wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to be like a Lauren Michaels, a, 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 um, a Johnny Carson. Behind the scenes. Behind so. the scenes. I wanted yeah. to be a producer and I love comedians and all that. But you were somebody because I related so much to you. Thank uh, you so much. I really, wow. I'm so, that is amazing. <laughs> like I've heard people say things to me that I'm like, oh my God. But this was really a, an extremely high compliment because George Carlin was someone who I was floored by as a kid who mm -hmm. was so smart and and he his writing was amazing so I am that company is now yeah. I have a question now I gotta be like okay I gotta keep writing that kind of stuff so yeah I, it, so it was I remembered a lot of his acts and then with you when I saw you I was like wow and I remember the whole like not the whole act like I could do it but, but the jokes yeah and um well, you know, I have to tell you, we taped that in L.A., right outside of L.A. Mm -hmm. And I remember that, you know, when I used to go to L.A., because we taped that in 2007. So I had already been doing comedy about 10, 12 years. And and I went to California and it was always so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I lost you. Oh, I lost your sound. And I went out there. Oh, mm -hmm. Honey, I'd be careful with the speakers, babe. And I remember I went out there and it was wonderful how well received I was. Oh, wait, I think I'm on mute, baby. I can hear you now. Yes, I can hear you. Now I can't hear you. Sorry about that. Okay. So the point was that it was an audience that was very, very mixed and they got it. Like the, the comedy was such that Latinos from other backgrounds and other, everybody understood the story that I told because it was, you know, it's everybody's experience as a Latino, you know, having the situations with your kids and all the stuff that I talked about. So it was really, really wonderful. I remember when we did that taping, I was nervous about it and I went out there and it was like, go ahead. <laughs> yes, they got it. And I got so much love. It was just amazing wow that was great that we premiered that in 2008 
um, in California, in LA. And then that same year, we got nominated for an Alma Award. Wow. That was nice. The first all-female comedy special to be nominated in that way. We went we were up against uh, George Lopez. I think he won that year. <laughs> you know, it yeah. was wonderful, wonderful, the, the, the competition. But right. to be standing on that same, we actually went, flew out there, and I did a presentation. We, we presented to James, uh, Edward James almost as the three, you know, the three of us went up there and on stage like presenters. I've never seen it. I've never seen that show. If anybody yeah. can get me that 2008 <laughs> Alma Awards, the, the Latin Divas presenting to Edward James almost, that would be amazing. <laughs> it might be on YouTube if you go searching. Yeah, I bet you I can. Yeah, that's my tech support with benefits. I'll let him take it. <laughs> always good too. Technology things. It's better now. That's why just now I saw something happening. Rapidito me panique. That's like my ammo. Oh my God, I did something wrong, right? <laughs> you right. saw the panic, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so tell me, how that. was it even before that when you very much, when you first started, because that was the first time I saw anybody um, that was similar to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that was a very big thing because growing mm-hmm. up, you know what I mean? I was, I was saying earlier, uh, who I saw was just Joan Rivers as a comedian. So true. And it was and on it, television. We had uh, like, I'm, you know, from the 60s. I remember this. We had, you know, the Goldie Horns and, you know, Carol Burnett. We had uh, Lucy. And I always say Lucy was the only one because she was Cuban by injection, right? So <laughs> she was one of ours. We own Lucy. We, we, we own, you know, we, we, we honor her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't see it either. And so when I, I started doing comedy in 1995 and I started late in the business because I was already you know, knee deep into another career. I was in my late thirties when I started and I had just broken up my marriage. So it was like the timing of it was crazy that it was coinciding where something was dying. And this, this new thing was being birthed. And in New York, I can count on one hand, how many Latina comics there were, never mind Boricua, Cuban, and Mexican, any other ethnicity. It was, there was none. There There was was none. There were few, let's put it uh-huh. that way. But Peaches Rodriguez has always been in the game, Ella Mexicana. Um, and then the, uh, Janice Garcia was performing back then, but there were not a lot of, of comics. So I kind of burst on the scene and um, I won my very first time on stage. I did a funniest teacher contest and I won that night. So it's just like, oh, okay, I obviously can do it. because so I got up on stage, bien brava, you know, and I just went up there and took care of it. And um, I won. And then just things started happening really, really quickly for me. So I was, I was given the opportunity to be on a lot of New York club stages. And then people wanted me to be with like on produced shows. So like, you know, and then the nineties became this birth of Latino comedy in New York, lots of shows with Jack Daniels sponsorships and just shows all over the city. So I was a part of that. I came in, the timing was good because that was when there was this real focus on diversity in the audiences. So I benefited from that. And then, like I said, it just started to snowball. And by 97, I started in 95, 97, I did my very first TV taping for CTV, a show called Funny is Funny. And um, I was flown out and we and he taped it. So in, within two years, an agent, almost a management and taping on television. So I was very, very lucky. I went in then it was like, I didn't have to do a lot of, um, I didn't have to do a lot of, let's say, um, open mics and things like that. It, it moved very quickly for me. I was very, very. Um, oh, wow. That's you know. amazing. Mm-hmm. And because uh, now a lot of stuff is diverse, but some people don't like that. Oh, um, well, I'll tell you what happened when I auditioned at the comic strip. Uh-huh. I was told you're hilarious. Definitely will will uh, will pass you. But you're too ethnic. Oh, you shouldn't necessarily rely on your stories to to move the, the audience. Talk about topics. And meanwhile, the show that I had worked on, mm-hmm. there were two comics who were Jewish who went on and on about right. Jewishnessity. <laughs> right, right. I was being told I was too ethnic. So it's always been something where I, I struggled so much to find my voice by allowing other people to get in my head 
about whether my material was right or whether someone was going to pick me up, whether someone was going to, you know, if you're going to be noticed doing this material. So I've always been someone that played with a lot of different types of material. And that's been a struggle. I finally feel like now I'm finding my voice, the real strength of, you know, what I want to say. But the divas, I was extremely proud of. I mean, I knew I, I had already arrived if I was picked, you know, handpicked to do this show with these other four amazing comedians. Did that I, lead to more opportunity after the divas or? Yes, yes. After the divas. You know what happened with the divas? Uh-huh. We, didn't have the, we didn't have the benefit of social media. Oh. Before social media became this beast of um, networking and promotion and production and exposure, you know, and now, you know, back then it didn't matter if you had a thousand, a hundred thousand followers, there was no, really no such thing except for YouTube, right? Say MySpace, and it was just a different beast. Whereas right. now you put something on, on the internet and you could be a star in six months and get your stuff out there and get your material. And if you have more followers, sometimes it's more followers versus talent like I see people who just get stuff and I'm like whoa because they have a certain amount of followers so oh, it's, yeah yeah it's yes. a different game you know so um I did get other um I've done a lot of uh, law and orders I did I went I got more auditions after that people were interested in me as an actress so I, I did get more work and more um exposure from that um, oh that's great to hear that's really great to hear but you and know. it's still on Amazon Wow. You can still access it. There was a while there when it was on Hulu. It's uh-huh. never stopped being in rotation. Like every once in a while, we're watching TV and all of a sudden it's an Amazon and there's my, there's our picture right on the screen. <laughs> my granddaughter loses her mind. Oh my God, uh, Gigi, it's you, it's you. I'm like, that's what I look like at one time. <laughs> <laughs> but it, did, it does. It was on Hulu for a minute and it's still on Amazon. So there are different clips on um, YouTube on YouTube. Yeah. So it has had is it has staying power. And what's happened now is um, I have a wonderful husband and he became my manager in my tech support with benefits. So he's the one who got me on TikTok. And now this this is a whole new audience. That's that's how I found you. Yes. That's how I found you. And I was surprised. I was like, I had one TikTok. It, unfortunately, I lost it because TikTok can be weird. Um, <laughs> so I, but uh, I found you one day and I was like, oh, wow. And I used to do this show on my Instagram. Um, but the trouble is you don't, because uh, Insta- I, get, I get actually paid on Instagram, but uh, I was like, let me move this over. Let me go in studio. Let me down, let me make some money off what I, my passion, nice. and what I want to do. So um, I found you. That's how I originally found you. And I was like, wow. And I followed you. And I think you did come to New York. But every time the date I was going to go to one of your shows. I remember we talked about it, right? Yeah. But yeah. He, he got me on TikTok. Because at that point, you know, look, this is what I was doing. This is what I was saying. Eso palo nene. That's, that's for the kids. That's not. And he was like, like where, are, where is your head if you think that you're not going to have to embrace TikTok and social media? Yep. So he went in and set me up and did everything and, you know, set me up and started doing the videos. And all of a sudden, the numbers, I'm having all these new audiences, which is fantastic because I'm getting younger people going, oh, my God, who are you? You know, like, even though you're so much older, I can relate to your stories and I get it. Like, I I totally understand it. So that I'm very happy about having a new audience. And this last tour opening for El Gran Combo, Uh that did a lot in terms of exposure. And, you know, I mean, I've been around, but it's like I got a new audience now as this opening act. I, I just came back from Puerto Rico and there are some bugs in Puerto Rico that suck the life. <laughs> I am scratching. So now you live in where you live in Puerto Rico or where? Well, I have two properties. I bought, okay. I bought in 19. My mom passed away in 15 and I had a huge reset reboot where I needed something that connected with her. I missed her so much and the grief was so intense that I made this promise that I was going to go back to Puerto Rico. Like I want to retire there. I want to, connect. So I was there in the right time and I bought a condo and then I bought a house. So I have that property and then I have a house here. So I just go okay. back and forth and I just started Airbnb. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I also saw your TikTok about the Ikea when you had the issues at Ikea. Remember? Girl, we still trying to find Rosa Bluff. Oh. <laughs> this chick is hard to find. I right? even shared it because I was like, I, I, because this is the thing I kind of, I wanted you, you kind of inspired me that I want to go back and buy um, my mother's side of family. They're all from Puerto Rico. My father's Cuban. And um, I have some Tahino in me too, as well. And when you were saying we need to buy back our land and I went on Zillow and I saw the prices of rentals now in Puerto Rico. This is a shame though. This is really sad because Ooh, you're going to do it, mamita. Uh, do it quickly because we were lucky. We came in and I, I mean, lucky in the sense that um, the hurricane happened in 19. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was this sort of depression in the prices. So it helped us a little bit. Sadly, obviously, I don't want that to happen to Puerto Rico again. Right. Um, but the timing is everything. And I was, I was, it was fortunate for two of this that I bought when I bought. And then I bought again this last year. We just came back. I was, I'm literally like, we just got in today. Oh, okay. So you're in New Jersey right now. Right. Home. So I'm in Jersey now. Okay. I'm in home office. And, okay. you know, we, uh, we're setting up the second place now. So I have a one condo, a two bedroom condo. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I have a two-bedroom condo with a fabulous view. It's really beautiful. And then I have a three-bedroom house that we're preparing now to Airbnb. It's a nice place because it's right by the marina, by, by the rainforest, and by all the islands. So right. people come out on the weekends. It gets, it's really festive. Oh, nice. Now, are you performing in Puerto Rico? Well, you- we've been setting up um, a lot of different locations. And mm-hmm. What happens in Puerto Rico is, and this is what a lot of the different promoters tell me, I don't, they don't know me in Puerto Rico yet. So I'm trying to do more work with uh, like the radio stations and the TV stations to get exposure. And this way, um, like to get on a couple of the shows to start getting a presence out there so that they will get people to come out to the shows. But the University of Puerto Rico is interested in producing my one woman show which is fabulous. But again, the same issue, we have to do a lot of promotion first, get me out there doing the radio stations, doing the television, booking the shows, and then, you know, really making a big, big show of that production. And the the Grand Grand Combo Tour helped a lot with that. That definitely opened up, you know, the avenues for me to to meet new people. And that's what I've been working on. I just, every time I go out there, I shake hands, I meet more people, I make more contacts, and then boom, I'm hoping that, you know, springish. well, I mean, we're, yeah, we're still winter. So yeah, things will start happening soon out there. I'm, 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 confident that it's going to start happening soon how, how is it um being in puerto rico now like uh when you do go over there the like how is uh living over there how is really the island it's you know i it's, it's i call it like the island life right it's slower you have to be very patient you cannot uh-huh. walk up in there like a new yorker i'm sorry i've been here an hour like uh, what do you mean you have to come back next week you have to be real patient because it's just that's the way it's done so wow. it's not up to me to walk in there and say, no, you're going to do it now, you know? So you, you have to reboot yourself and you have to reset yourself. And una paciencia. <laughs> you have to just be like, uh, pins and needles and needles and pins, like whatever it is that you need to get you through that moment, because you could really, you know, you can jump at somebody's throat out there real, real easy. Didn't I tell you? Like, and that's what's happening with Ikea. I did oh. a kitchen in 2019. Do you know I have kitchen counter, kitchen cabinet lights that have not turned off in two years? They run constantly. 24-7. 24-7. So that's extra that I'm paying. on. And, the- and, and was it Rosie, right, you said, is the one that's responsible? Rosa Barreto. <laughs> that you still can't. I'll never we, forget that TikTok. We still can't find her. She doesn't call back. She doesn't email. And she there's no way. When you ask someone, well, give me her information, they go, oh, no, that's you can't reach her that way. Well, then which way would you? A homing pigeon? Like, what do we? Have you? We, um, you know what I've noticed with my IG? Um, I'm verified. And I know that the only good thing about being verified on IG, I could say is because everybody thinks it's a big deal, but I'm broke underneath. You know what I'm saying? Like all that blue chip does is just, if I have a complaint and I tag a place, then they react. It has clout. 
Yeah, that's the only thing Pero that I could say. No. I'm going to have to say, hey, where is the... <laughs> where, I'm going to have to make a clip myself and tag a, a Kia and be like... A, I a, please. A, a Kia in Puerto Rico. Poncho, Rosa Barreto. Now, Rosa what I Barreto. did was I, mm-hmm. saw, I submitted something to Telemundo. Okay. So I'm waiting to see if they pick it up because they have a, they have a department that deals with consumer fraud and consumer complaints. So it was like, look, I'm the Latin diva of comedy. And I want to know, like Carmen Miranda, not Carmen Miranda, Carla, uh, Carmen San Diego. Uh-huh. Or where, like, where, where in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I want to set one up like that. Where I is she? I don't know. I'm, I did contact them to see if they would find, take an interest in this case. Because it's outrageous. This is three years now. And I've made and I have the emails. I have the text messages. I have all the background to show that I've done my part. And they just don't want to come back and do it because they did an improper installation. Oh, Twice, man. by the way. Twice. Yeah. So so yeah, it's been frustrating. And usually a key is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I have had kitchen. I've had a kitchen here. This is my second IKEA kitchen. That's what I mean about Puerto Rico. Okay. Beautiful country. I love Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is in my veins. Right. Uh, but when I think about moving out there, I know that there are so many things that make it prohibitive. The healthcare, <laughs> the, uh, they don't take insurance, right? So if you don't have, they don't take your personal, a lot of, I've never known anybody who's told me that they were able to use their insurance out there. So you don't want to get sick in Puerto Rico because you got to fly right back. Um, the taxes are very, very high out there. And it's all, you know, the Congress, the relationship that Congress has with Puerto Rico is really, really, really bad. And so, you know, it's up to Congress. We can't do anything until we have the laws changed at that level. But 11.5 sales tax, Oy. extremely uh, difficult austerity uh, um acts where schools were closed, hospitals were cut back, you know, a, a, a minimum wage that's even lower than in the States right. with an 11.5% sales tax. Right. So, you know, and I, I wonder because like on Zillow, I look, you know, I used to live in Los Angeles and there's, I look sometimes like the price of LA and then I'll look like, you know, just cause I'm nosy like that. Um, and I see how expensive it is. And I'm like the jobs I know don't compare who the hell is going over there? What are they doing? They're really gender-fying Puerto Rico now. It's shifting. A lot of people are leaving, Boricua leaving. Oh, they yeah. can't sustain that life unless it's something that, you know, I hint that there's people that are up in the mountains and they have a way, you know, they, they, they farm their own crops and seriously live off the land, you know, but, you know, that's up in the mountains. <laughs> what about everywhere else? Right. So it is changing. You see it. You, you feel it. You see it on the airplanes. I remember telling Alex, I never used to remember tanta gente blanca, white people coming in like a clown car. <laughs> Whoa, another white person. Oh, shit. Another <laughs> gringo is like oh. white people. And like, oh, nothing against them. But it's like it wasn't like that when I was a kid. When I was a kid, nobody was interested in it the way that they're interested in it now. So it's good but it's bad and it's bad for the people that is there it's good yes. for the people that are coming with money that can invest and i'm not a big investor i am not going to be lumped up with these people that are buying million and two and three million dollar properties and taking over the beaches i despise that but unfortunately the people that live on the island sometimes lump you up with that type of situation so we do get a lot of push i get funky stuff sometimes like oh but that's what happens uh what did they call me the other day not an invader i forgot what the word was but it was it was suggestive of the fact that since i wasn't born and raised on the island i couldn't speak on the things that are going on there and i'm like that's a really piss poor attitude honey because if you want things to change on the island you got to get everybody talking about it right right Here. yes you got to get everybody in the public and in england and whoever is taught wants to fuss about it right yeah, that's how you effectuate change you know so um it's interesting it's been a really really uh eye opening experience owning out there and, uh, you know, we go out there pretty often. We go out there like every six weeks. We'll stay for a week or two. We want to start going more often, but I still have, you know, I have a lot of responsibilities here. I have these amazing, we have five uh, grandkids between the two of five us. Five grandkids. Wow. Yeah. And we just have so And so fun. your your granddaughter calls you Gigi, but not Awella, right? 
No, I don't know why. I wish I knew oh. where I had started it. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? Because of how we were raised. Yes. I think that abuela is like a dirty word for vieja. Oh, exactly. And that's not happening. Today. No, my mother had my kids call her Lela. Yeah, Lela. I wish I had done something more in the abuela. You know what? I My uh, my my grandson's other grandma, uh-huh. he calls his grandma Nena, which I love. Uh-huh. Oh, it's cute. You know, he, he calls her Nena. Um, but yeah, so I have three grandkids. So that's another reason for me. You know, like if I retire out there, it will be down the road because I have to be able to come back here and spend time with those kids. Right. Just bundle them up in the summers and take them out there with me. And Oh, that and, would be good. Yeah, that would be dope. But right now what I'm trying to do is um, put the finishing touches on my one woman show. Okay. I wrote a show about aging, about the, uh, my generation, which is Generation Jones, which a lot of people don't know is a subdivision of the baby boomers. Uh, so I think it's, um, let's see, it's like uh, 64 is the youngest baby boomers. I think it goes from 54 to 64. Those last 10 years are called Generation Jones because it's a generation of uh, people that is very different from the ones who came before. So let's say anybody like over 72 to 79, their thinking is somewhat different, let's say, than ours, my generation. You know, we're a little bit more modern. We're holding on to, we have that connection to the other previous generations. And we identify with a lot of that. Whereas the older ones don't, they see themselves, you know, this is who I am. And we're more the ones that are like, no, we're not going to be defined by those old uh, attitudes and stereotypes and considerations of the elder, you know, older and elderly, you know, we're elderly considering, right. Right. But I don't feel that way. I don't no, you seem very way. young. And then I mm-hmm. saw you in the bikini and I, I saw you in Puerto Rico in the bikini and your post and I, I was like, wow, my honey likes that tape. <laughs> <laughs> Every chance he gets to put it back up, he puts it back up. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Thank you. I have you, to- you look amazing. Thank you. And, you know, that's one of the things that I talk about in the show, how people say, oh, age ain't nothing but a number. And I say, even that is wrong. Your age is two numbers. One is your chronological, right? Mm-hmm. That stubborn little number on your birth certificate that you can't say anything about. Oh, yeah. Second one is, I think, the more important one, which is your biological age, your subjective age. And that's a composition of you. So that it's going to be like how you're aging and the quality of your cellular structure and function. And a doctor usually looks at that by looking at like, you know, blood pressure and all these other markers like, you know, cholesterol and all this other stuff. The biological age, you can be 10, 15 years younger biologically. If you take care of yourself. You could, you know, you're not going to reverse the clock, but you're just slowing it down a little bit in terms of how fast you fall apart. <laughs> right, right. Like, which I had two drinks the other night. And the next day I, I said, this is ridiculous. I'm not even getting drunk. I can't even handle myself anymore. It's just two drinks. And the next day, and I felt like. It's something you have to think about. Oh, and then because- now. I'm always with the water. Good for you. I'm so mad because I left this beautiful tumbler, uh-huh. like blingy ones. Oh, I left it in Puerto Rico. I'm so annoyed. And you know what my boo did? My boo is so good. He knows how much I love it because I don't drink enough water, but that's making me drink it. He ordered me another one. He said, just oh. in Puerto Rico. I was like, oh, you're so wonderful. <laughs> oh, God. Nice. But, so that's what I talk about in the show. But it's funny. It's funny, but I try to. When are you having any um, upcoming dates and where exactly will you be? Um, February 3rd. I'm at um, that's next Friday. I'm at the Bergen Pack in the Bergen Performing Arts Center in Englewood, New Jersey. Uh And then February 10th, I am at. um, Oh, God, I don't remember the name of the the club, but I am in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, doing a really fun show uh, with a bunch of really funny Latinos. I'm excited to be on that. Yeah, show. I saw that because I saw and I was looking. I was like, how can I get down there? That's going to be a great show. That's Imagine, who is mm-hmm. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Roberto Vanderpool is hosting it. Uh, Joey Vega, 
and me. That's that's tight, man. I hope I didn't forget anybody, but I, just, I haven't seen the, the flyer. That's a good show. That's a Torre Boricua. I mean, it's going to be funny anyway, but if, particularly if you're Puerto Rican, they should come out to that. Because that's just like when I perform with an audience, like with El Gran Combo, when I was doing mm-hmm. those shows, it was a mixed, you know, obviously we had a lot of representation in Central and South America. But when you get a show that's mostly Boricua, oh, oh, <laughs> oh my God, those are the best. Totally the best shows. And it feels like you're hanging around playing cards or hanging out in your house and you're just throwing down like you normally do with family. And you got that one really stupid family member that just keeps everybody cracking up. That that would be me. Just <laughs> stupid and yeah. But I, I love like much like you, I uh-huh. have a fan and was a fan of comedy before I started. So I just think that and a lot of people, even El Gran Combo said to me, Tu eres brava. Tú te tira, tú te para allá afuera solita. Uh-huh. They were like, we up, up here, there's 13 of us. You are the first person that goes out, that goes out to brava. There's a, thousands of people waiting to see what's going to happen next. The lights go out and you're the one that goes out there and takes them to this joyous place where now they're ready to start listening to some music. Uh-huh. And I felt so good. I felt like, wow, I, I yes, I am because... I did do that. <laughs> you got it in you. You've got and it. And I in did you. it 10 times. The first eight shows, they asked me to just do like 20 minutes up front. And then um, then the band came on. So I was done for the night. But usually I was backstage dancing my ass off. I lost so much weight for that concert because it was <laughs> every night just dancing because I'm a salsa. I love salsa. That's why getting this gig, gig was, it's still crazy to me that I got it because I love salsa and I love them. And that they handpicked me to be their host. Like, it's like, oh, my oh, God. Nice. And then the last two shows, they said, mm-hmm. rather than have a host come in, would you consider hosting it? I'm like, whatever you need. I'm one of those people. You tell me jump. I go, how high? That's what the show needs. I'll do it. And uh, they said, well, it's different because you're not going to do like a 25 minute segment. You're going to do five minutes. Then we got to set up for the second band. Then you're going to do another five minutes. So it's different. There's like, you got to do it. You got to be like that. You got to hit hard in a very short amount of time. And it's hard. And guess what, honey? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was like, pow, pow, pow. And then I got off. And then they came back. And then, and, and at this, after the band start, you're doing your performance with all of this going on in the background. And, you know, that could be super, super distracting. And now nah, I just got into it and had fun. And the audiences were wonderful. If you, if anybody was at that show and you're on here today, thank you. At any of those shows, mil de gracias. You guys were awesome. It was just the most exciting experience of my life in terms of performing as a comedian. The only other thing that came close was when I performed in Iraq. But it was oh. different. How that was, was that? And when was that? Tell me about that. That was in 2011. I had gone mm-hmm. out to L.A. to do a show, a series of shows. And um, I get a phone call from Rudy Moreno in L.A. And he says, listen, they're, 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 uh, they're auditioning for a fifth person to go on this tour to Iraq. And I gave them your name. They wanted a Latina. So I immediately gave them your name. They came to see me the next night. And they went to see me in a club that a lot of people said to me, I don't remember the name of the club. They were like, yo, that, that club is gangster. That's a ghetto ass club. You better go in there hard because yeah, la, 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 they'll boo your ass. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And guess what? I had a great set. I had a great, great set. I tell you, California's always been good to me. Great set. And the, the woman came over and said, do you want to go to Iraq next month? Or I was like, hell yeah. That was an experience of a lifetime. So we flew out. It was um, Nikki Carr. This amazing. She was on a uh, last comic standing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Carmen. Oh God, I'm so annoyed. I, Carmen, it'll come to me. Oh, she's going to be so mad. I'm blanking out, but I'm tired, Carmen. It's not, <laughs> I love you, Mamita, but I am just tired from it. Um, and April Macy. And we just went out there. It, uh, Carmen, I swear to God, I'll remember your day. I'm just blanking out right now. Uh, so we toured and it was it was called uh, not the time, not that time of the month tour. 
So it was all, all women. And it was amazing. I mean, you, you, and you, so this was for the soldiers and for yes, everybody. You were at war. Like this was when. Oh, yes. At war. So that was the thing they said to us. They said, you know, you have to be prepared. It's not just going to, there's no glamour in this. You got to come ready to pack at four o'clock in the morning. If that's when they said the helicopter is going to the next base. So like bring your boots, you know, if you want to look cute, we were all very, very girly, girly on stage. But when we were not on stage, we were like ready to, you know, we had the backpacks, we had to wear Kevlar and we had to wear the helmets. What happened? Well, thank you. Um, So, uh, so it was, it was, and like I said, we were on military helicopters. So we're riding and they uh-huh. have gigantic, you know, like the big ass guns on the side there. And we're sitting there. I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. But I was so nervous. But it was the most it was so exciting. Like, I trust the army. They were not going to let us down. Right, right, right. Ooh, it was. I remember one time we were like we were supposed to leave and we were all ready and we kept waiting. And we're like, what happened? And they were like incoming. And I'm like, we're waiting for an email. This is stupid. They were like, no, a mess open there. Not a, not an email. Oh my <laughs> like god! At the base, so it was fun. It was. I can. I can tell you. I we. I got back, and it was that and this concert are in the same category. Of, wow. Yeah. Now, when when you started, when you were young, were you with your children? How old were your children when you first first started? Uh, my daughter was five and my son okay. was 11. So it was very demanding. And when after, right after I started, my ex-husband and I, we were in the midst of the divorce and the separation. So it was grueling. It was mm-hmm. very contentious. And I got two big, big, big opportunities to go out. But I had to move to California. And mm. that meant not taking my kids. So I passed. And, you know, every once in a while, I wonder if I'd had the mansion in the mountains of L.A., if I had gone out there, because I was I was a real novelty. I was this, you know, 37 year old woman. You know, I had a little look to me. I was a little Mm -hmm. diesel. And I know you were hot. You were. I went up on stage with crop tops. I like, know that the if anybody sees you were a hot little thing, yeah. Like with the with the eight pack, like thinking yes. that anybody's gonna pay attention to the comedy when you go up like that. Like, you know, the women aren't gonna laugh because then if they're with their man, they're like, and don't you don't you laugh either? Oh, you think she's funny? Oh, you think she's funny. Like I, you know, it was I put myself in a lot of situations sometimes, which it just showed how green I was. You right. know, you learn as you go along that you know, you gotta focus on the comedy and um, so I did have opportunities and I, 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 you, you prioritize them for me. It no, was- yeah. Yeah. With your children, because both of my children now are over 18 and I'm now finally able to do me. That's right. How yeah. wonderful. So you have two. I have two. I have uh, an older one that's in law school and then a younger one that doesn't know what the hell she's doing. 18. So, so boy, girl, girl, girl. Oh, two girls. Yeah. Two girls. I never had uh, a son, which, and now I realize, okay, that's kind of good. I didn't have a son. Um, they're, they're hard. They're, I found boys, my son. Oh. You found the boys are harder than the girls? My son was first. And uh-huh. he's, my, both my kids were great children. They were wonderful, sweet, easy. But my son was very active. So that first child being so active, I had a, I did a lot of running around. I kept calling the school. Why did he come home so dirty? <laughs> it's not, I didn't send him that dirty. And they would be like, yeah, because right after he finishes his work on the floor, like that's what, that was my son. You know, he probably should have started in, in second grade. <laughs> he was smart enough. He should have just gone right to second. Um, and then I waited six years and had my daughter. And then my daughter, I think what happened with my daughter was that I was able to stay home mm-hmm. 15 months, those first 15 months. And my ex-husband and I, it was like probably the happiest time because our roles were clearly defined. He went to work. I did my work at home. I took care of the house. The kids were clean. Then it was on the table. We were happy. And then when I had to go back to work for pay, that's when everything really fell apart because the demands just got to be so hard. Um, And, you know, if you're, uh, I hate that expression, working mom, because I just think it's a misnomer. All moms work. Yes. We do is work for pay when we go to a job. Right. I can't stand when people say, oh, she went back to work. No, she's been working, raising those kids. 
Oh, it's a lot of work. We have to watch what we say. And right. I think we need to start training people to, to be better versed at describing what motherhood is, you know? Yeah. Back to work. I've been working all this time. Now I'm just getting a check. You yeah. want to <laughs> what I've been doing? Vamos a cuenta. Yeah. <laughs> Laundry, chauffeur, cook, tutor. I got to be hot mama at night. So let's put hoes. <laughs> I gotta be a little hoe too. No, that's right. a lot of work. Yes, no, it is. That. Let's see how much it will cost you if you right. have to pay somebody to do all that. No, it, it, staying home. With, I never um, got the chance to stay home with either one of my kids. I'm hoping by the time I have grandkids, at the right time, the right time. I hope the little one don't pop one out on me. Um, then I know. I, I heard. The, I heard the hint. Hint there. I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> Yeah, the little one, the older one is gay, and it, I'm kind of glad because um, I had her real young. I had her at 16 years old. Wow. And but I was when she came out gay, I was like, oh yes, I'm not gonna be in a well that soon. <laughs> I was so happy. She doesn't want to have any. What she even with a donor, they're not thinking about that. She has a uh, a partner now. And she will be a lawyer. And when they when they get decide on that or get a donor or She's whatever, still, yeah, it, it, that'll probably be easier than the the little one. That's uh, you know, like the <laughs> little one. Is, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they come out different kids. Yeah, they like, very. You know what? They're born with personalities. They. That's what I was saying before. Like my son was a, a smart, very smart, t- tested into gifted program. But another day, he would come home, uh, send him clean, and he every day he was filthy. I'm like, why? What is he doing? Rolling around the hallways, like digging in the garbage cans. What? And smart, but travieso. He was just that child, you know. And that was his personality, whereas my daughter was not like that at all. And, you know, like I said, I think a lot of it had to do with that. I was I was calmer, I think, as a parent. I was able mm-hmm. to really kind of just take that breath because it just worked out that way that I, I wanted that opportunity to stay home. I, I fought. Oh, that's good. Trust me. It wasn't anything that was. Oh, great. wait, you had a fight. It was, yeah, I had okay. a fight. My, my ex-husband was the type that said, what do you mean you want to stay home? You can't get away with that. I can, I can hear it. Uh-huh. I, I know exactly what was said. What do you think you're going to, you can't get away with that. Like I was somehow cheating the relationship and cheating the family because as the mom and the one who carried this baby for nine months, I wanted to just stay home. And I had always worked for pay, you know, even before I became a mom, I, I started working at 16, never stopped. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be nice. I just thought it'd be kind of different. And I loved it. I loved being home with the baby. I did not want to go back to work for pay. I was, I, I loved being home. It was different. I'd always right. been a real woman. So now I had that. I felt like I had a really good balance. And not that you go, when I went back to my job, that was it. We lasted. I went back in like 91 and we broke up in 95. Oh, and then that's when you started the comedy. And that's when I started the comedy. So now I became a single mom. Mm-hmm. I bought my first, no, my second, no, my third property, but I bought it by myself. The first one we bought together, the first two houses we bought together. But mm-hmm. I was real proud that on my own, I was able to buy a house in, T- in a Teaneck, Bergen County. Mm-hmm. I raised my two kids here and then my husband moved in five blocks away. Oh, God. I had to see that. <laughs> I used to get off the highway, watch. I would I'd pull up, you go straight, there's his house. I would make the right. And as soon as I was passing, I'd go, <laughs> so mature <laughs> no I have an ex like that my my daughter's father because she goes she's staying right now with her father and she goes oh you don't want to come over here because of my father and I'm like I'll get a room <laughs> far away like, yeah. and it's a shame it shouldn't be that way listen I I I I envy I admire people that are able to remain really good co-parents it's not easy but I also don't think it's that hard. I think that if you follow the, 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 that go back to when before you became into a relationship when you were just friends, right? right? Like that part, if you can get back to that place again, it's, it's easy, but, oh God, I had it hard. I had it very hard. Yeah. No, so when you tell me about now, how you got your SAG card, because I always tell, I'm always interviewing comedians and I'm always telling them you need to get your SAG card. And I've noticed New York comics are 
different than LA comics. It seems like LA comics, they know like, Hey, I need that card yeah. because I get one commercial. I'm set for the, yeah, yeah. like they get it. New York I, comics are like, no, I just want to do stand up. I just yeah. want to tour. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I haven't, I know most of the people I, most of the people I work have worked with have gotten SAG. Um, I started booking law and order early. Wow. That's good residual. I have my SAG card, by the way. So I know okay. that, oh, <laughs> so I got an early um and this was early it's funny because most of most of what I've booked for television has been drama I have mm-hmm. yet to book anything oh and I've seen I think it was the general hospital yes the, um all my children yes okay all my children I couldn't remember I seen that and you're, you're very good actress. thank you thank you I was proud of that scene I was yeah. proud of that scene. yeah but there was I had difficulty with one scene where and I think I think they had a gun because I just didn't get it uh, uh, soap is very different. Soap is a beast completely onto its own. So like when you're taping something, you, you, you'll get some direction. They'll tell you, try this, move here, do that, whatever. Soap is fast. It is a different animal. So you have to know how to go. <gasps> like that kind of weird time. It, it felt so unnatural to me that I, I was having a real problem with it. Like they wanted the real reaction. Like, that's not how I, that's not how people perform. So, uh, but, but I managed to uh, get a couple of really great law and orders early on. Then I was, I taped a couple of pilots and then I did um, uh, a show called conviction. Then there was a, a, there was a, um, a fireman show. I'm out I'm terrible. I don't remember the name and it was big. And I got a part on that and I had to play a trustee bringing someone's uh, food, a, a dirty cop that was in jail. Uh-huh. And I was the trustee. I was like the, the prison. Then I, I always played a convict, a prostitute, a crackhead, because that's what they expect Puerto Rico. No, I know. That's I, I told somebody this I because um, I do SAG work and I'm trying to explain to them, you know, because I'm Hispanic, I don't play like I'm in the Upper East Side. And they go, but you look white, or and I'm like, but yeah, the blanquita like me, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't like the moment your name is not, uh, uh-uh, this no. is where you go. And you know what happens? You have the long, thick, beautiful Taino hair that I despise because I'm so jealous of. I'm kidding. I love <laughs> you. <man. laughs> Thank you. But it was always like I had to be. They wanted Afro Latina. Yes. Like my hair was just too straight. Whatever. Right. But back to SAG. So then, then I started, I booked a couple of commercials. Oh. And so I got my SAG card. Oh, is that you or me? That's probably oh. me. Okay. okay. Um, and so then I got my SAG card, card pretty, pretty soon because mm-hmm. I started booking commercials also. I did a MasterCard commercial. I did wow. a, a Bank of America when it was still PNC Bank. Um, and I did another, uh, I did something else. I don't remember, but I, I did a couple of commercials. So right away I had enough that I was able to get into SAG. So you have to book. Yeah. A lot yeah. of comics, this is what happens. They want to do the clubs. They want to do that. And I keep telling them, you have to book something. That's the way you get yourself out there. That's how you get noticed. That's how you get mm-hmm. seen you. You need a special, you need a, anything that puts you on television. I did a lot of television in the first uh, I would say the first six, five, six years. And it was a lot of cable because remember I started in 95 TV yeah, before, before Netflix. Yet. I mean, it was yeah. there, but it wasn't what we have this beast that is accessible. Now it wasn't right. as accessible before. So there were tons. There was a channel called TNT, uh, not TBS. There were a bunch, a lot of different Bronx net. And there were a lot of uh, local cable channels. So I was just booking and booking and booking and booking. And uh, I was able to get that, the SAG card. That's fantastic. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And after as well, the SAG after. Yeah. When they combined and me, I was uh, after before, and then I got mm-hmm. SAG and I paid for SAG way back when, right? And then the following year, they emerged together. That's right. And I was pissed. I was like, <laughs> I just paid the SAG tooth. I think it was. That like- wasn't fair. Yeah, I was like, I just paid that. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. But when I came to New York, I was able to get, and this was a big deal for me. I was able to get my insurance. Hmm. And I, that was a very big deal for me. That's huge. Yeah. And I, I tell, many years without it. Right. And I, I tell, uh, I've told comedians, I've told a comedian that has a show in LA and I go, hey, 
I just want my insurance. Just give me a day player. That's it. That's all I want. Like, I don't need to, I don't want no series. Just give me a couple day players. I'm cool. Get my insurance. I'm happy as hell. You know, it's a, it's a big issue with, with television, you know, talking about representation, mm-hmm. you know, again, I got cast, you know, every, every single time I would get a part. And the one that has been the best, the most lucrative was a two uh, episode arc. So it was the finale of the one season and then the mm-hmm. premiere of the next one, which is oh. what you want. You And you want a lot of words. You want a big, big part. And it, and it pays fantastic. So in that one, I'm a mother of a criminal, of course, because I'm Puerto Rican, <laughs> yeah. who's running an illegal brothel and an illegal daycare out of my house. I, what like, sh- who writes this shit like who, who? yeah and they always do that to us they every always- time and you know if i wanted to take a political stand i could and i'd never get work and i remember yeah. i killed the audition because they wanted real hard um yeah they wanted somebody hard as the mom and so what i did was i had my daughter put tattoos all over my arms with ink oh my god it took forever to take it out i don't know why i did that and I went in and I walked in in character. And but they already knew me at um, Law and Order. The casting person there knows me, right. Jonathan. So he called me up and I, didn't, I went straight to director and producer. So I didn't have to go through callback, none of that. After the second one, I taped the third and fourth I got because they knew me. So they like, come in. We think you're perfect for the part. Right. So I have these tattoos and I go in hard. I don't have any makeup on. My pillow was in a moño. I hadn't straightened it. I was looking raggedy. But I look cute and I walked in right. and they said something to me and I was like, yo, we're going to do this motherfucker. We're going to do this. And they were like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> I went right to it. I went to the scene and it was a struggle scene with iced tea. So I was making believe that, you know, we were in it and boom, and I was hard and I knew I got it. So when I finished it, you know, I'm all hard and everything. And then they were like, um, do you have any questions? I was like, no, that was a lot of fun. And my personality totally. <laughs> they saw who I was. But they saw who you really were. And, and yeah, and I was like, oh, no, thank you. That was so nice. Thank you so much. And when I go to leave, the I think it was the director said to me, one question. Are those real? <laughs> I said, Hell no. I did this for you. I said, I don't like any of this shit. I did this for the part. <laughs> and that day they called me up and they told me I booked it. Wow, that's a fantastic Like I said, it just kills me that these parts are so stereotypical. Do I not look like I could be an attorney? Yeah, and you know what? That's a a lot of people, like, um, I was getting a lot of stereotypical stuff. Now I finally get noticed as a nurse, which is good. The person I'm going to say right now that is changing things, believe it or not, is 50 cents. All of the power series. Yeah. This is the thing when people say, what's that other guy that's in Atlanta? Um, and I have to educate people on, cause I worked at an agent's office too. Uh, Tyler, well, you have a lot of experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wanted, I, uh, yo, I, I'm trying to just pay my bills. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I no, worked at a business, the, the business. Right. So I worked at an agent's office so I can understand. And Tyler Perry really undercuts people, but you know, who's the producer and, and, and people are not really realizing this. It is 50 cents. His, all of his production, his power, he's doing a hell of a lot of jobs. I like his shows. I have to he admit. He is bringing in a lot of the black and brown community and he is in, not. In roles that are substantial. Right. Yes. He's doing attorneys, a hell of a job. Agents, um, attorneys. Yeah. I agree. Right. I agree. He's That's showcasing minorities in a better light. And, and yeah. you know, and then when he, then the next minute he's clowning around on the internet and I'm like, nobody knows how, like, I'm like, what yeah. is he doing? But yeah. nobody no, I knows. Think- yeah. And I think that's a really, really good point. And we need more of that. But yes. he had the money to create his own production company. Mm-hmm. And so he can support a lot of that. And unfortunately, nuestra gente, Latinos, they're not, they get to a place and they forget everybody who came behind. Yes. Them. Do, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, who, who do you see the J-Lo's and the Mark Anthony's and, and sure. who are they? promoting as actors who are they bringing along or more importantly the production studios even if you're not you know promoting particular people I remember and I'm going to always say this I'll say this I'll take it to my grave I remember when parts of Brooklyn and, and the Bronx were completely abandoned 
all right, mm-hmm. for this onslaught of gentrification. Um, and then I would say before it got really hot, because it's been going on for a while. And there was a big piece of land that I said, Coño, if these people would, they individually, they could buy it. But even if right. they don't spend all their money on it, why don't they form some type of Boricua, Dominican consortium of money people, moneyed people, buy this land, set up a huge production company there, and start to employ people from the area that now become the the Emilio Estevez and the Gloria Estevez yes, of, that, of Miami. You know, yeah. what they did, we should have been able to replicate that in New York. There was a time when the land was there for the taking. Right. Now you can't go into South Bronx. Mm-mm. Have you been out here? They, they, I've heard, yeah, I've heard it's changed. And I, I, I can get into conspiracies because there's a fire all the time in the Bronx. It's just, you know that. Oh yeah. We already, yeah. We through that, right. So mm-hmm. the fact that there was this opportunity and no one seized on it, I think is sad because, you know, everybody's always talking about, oh, East coast, West coast, West coast is that making it happen. We're not doing it out here the way that we should, yeah. but Se necesita dinero. We, we, you need capital to be able to do that. You know, we can do that all the time, but until someone put like, like what, what Tyler Perry did right. production company, you know, and then it, it just blossomed into this, this amazing tool for putting those stories out there. Our right. stories are not being put out there. We right. can write them, but until we have that vehicle now, I know that I, I feel like 50 is kind of doing it. He is. I he, agree. He's the one on the East coast that is doing it. And he's an amazing, I've been lucky where I've interviewed on, nice. on my IG. I've been able to interview people that work. Everybody that works for him is class act. You see? It, yeah. Um, Cause I, I, I interviewed somebody in his marketing department. Um, I've been over there at 50 productions before right there in Jersey um, in Hoboken and everybody associated whenever I've gone on his sets, just everybody that's not a higher talent. Yeah. He has had a higher talent, people. Um, put a team together. And put a team. He really does. And yeah. nobody's. And how yeah. about the actors? Oh, my God. They're so good. Yeah. I stopped watching Power. I was watching it when it first. Was it called? Yeah, it was always called Power. When it was right. the, the Latina FBI agent. That's what I remember. That's how far <laughs> back I missed a couple of seasons there. Yeah. I know the pandemic got me addicted to television. I can't stand it. I, oh, I yeah. watched so much. I never used to watch this much television. So I kind of like, I was like, no, I got to stop. I got to stop. <laughs> I don't care if there's housewives in Dubai now. I can't watch this. Oh, I there's can't. housewives in Dubai too. Yeah. I'm, like... <laughs> I'm going back to the Miami one. I got to stop it. No, I got to read more, read more, read more, read more. Read more. Yeah. yeah. I hear but, you. you know, I, I really think that there is a shift. And I know that John Leguizamo now is doing, uh, has, I think, a deal with Walmart to try to produce something in entertainment. I'm not exactly sure. I, I read it very briefly. And I know that he's working with this company, NGL, and they're trying to put forth more Latino programming and create Latino channels. Where yes. we have our own channels for the shows that we want to tell and we write our own stories. Right. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to do with my podcast. Nice. Trying to trying to produce some stuff myself. Yeah. And- it's, it's, I think I think it's ready to be done. Like I think that it's, it's yeah, been ready, but more so now because of the demographics that they're so terrified of. Yeah, <laughs> they right. Mm-hmm. They're so scared of us. Yeah, um, coming over and saying, you know, we we can run things. <laughs> we can yeah. run things here. It was we are things. I think it was last Christmas. This is what was sad to me. I'm I live in Brooklyn. I'm trying to get pasteles for Christmas because I don't have time to make it. Right. It's a lot uh, of- <laughs> I couldn't find any in Brooklyn, one person and all of Brooklyn. I go, No. Yes. My grandmother was in Tampa. Right. And, you know, she's elderly. She was the one that always makes it. And I found so many people for pasteles all over Tampa, Florida, like crazy. Brooklyn, That's where we are now. <laughs> no. And that in celebration. So then. I, um, I get, I found one girl. She had just came here from the Island. And this year I was going, cause my, unfortunately my grandmother passed. So I went back to, uh, Tampa. I have a home in Tampa too, that my father left me. That's where I was. Nice. And uh, I go back there and the woman is texting me, telling me, 
I need to put down, like basically extorting me. I need to, if I want my pasteles, I need to put down $50 now in order. For a dozen? Yes. 50 pesos. See, yeah. Damn. Right, I know. So we're going to have to... (laughs) Next year we're gonna have to start. Uh uh-uh. uh. I so got when too I much first work. met when I first met Alex, his mom uh-huh. had a Christmas here at the house, and his mother came and we set up the table and girl, I oh that's that too much I, work. I'm done. I did okay. that as a kid and me guayaba todo, you know, the flesh. Nah, oh yeah. I'm yeah. done. And I know there's machines to do that, but I'm not that invested. In <laughs> no, I don't I have the time, believe, the patience. I can't believe you couldn't find them in not in Brooklyn and the Bronx. Yes. New Jersey. Yes. Brooklyn. It's that gentrified. And let me tell you, I applied at not one, but two apartments in Bushwick. I'm telling my family, I can't get this after the pandemic was downsizing, was rejected, was down. The rent was 3,300. I was looking at places 2,500 and was rejected twice. Luckily I found where I'm living now. Um, and it, and wow. my credit was good. My landlord currently is an African-American woman. And she told me what the issue is. She goes, basically, they, they don't want, uh, they, they want to just take on, uh, the, the gringos and damn, that's, and my family up. is like, why the hell you want to go to Bushwick? We all left. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, yeah, that's how I feel. I have, like, I'm from Brooklyn. Born and raised, mm-hmm. but I have such a love hate with it right now that, you know, like when we left, we left for certain reasons. Right. Um, mostly it was because we wanted a house with a pool. Mm-hmm. We wanted the big pool. We wanted the quiet. We said, let's check out the suburbs. Right. And I tell you, I love it out here. I really do. I, I've gotten used to it. I mean, I'm here 30, 31 years now wow. in the suburbs. Yeah. Nice. And I like it. I got used to it. I love pulling into my driveway. Into, I mean, there is something about pulling into. I will never go back. <laughs> no, the times when I rent a car, I'm going to Walmart. L- like, 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 excited about going to Walmart. The craziest. You gotta thing. get it all done. You gotta get all your car stuff done. Um, but I, I talk about I, even on the show. I say, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn was amazing it was like it was such a uh, it made me who I am I would never trade that experience but it was like best die do or die and nowadays it's like best die vegan pie because <laughs> best die vegan pie. vegan pie honey that's what Brooklyn is about now oh yeah you want to hear what I heard that they're calling uh, Puerto Rico now in certain areas what? that identifying uh-huh rich port Oh, God. Anglicizing even the name. Oh, I so it's, yeah, we've been putting mm-hmm. up with this for a long time. And hopefully we'll start to see right. new, newer voices writing. We have to get into the writer's rooms. That's the yes. part. Yeah. Getting into the writer's rooms so that we can, ref- you know, we can have that input. Right. I remember a couple of times getting yelled at by my agent. Because she said, oh, I heard you said something to them about the words that they're using. And I'm like, well, because you know what? It's a scene. And it's a scene where they're using language that as a Puerto Rican woman, I would never use. Right. right. Because it's a white writer's room. Right. They're not saying it. And I, what I did was I corrected it so that it looks right. And they were Oh, like, and at, when I lived in L.A., there were so many things messed up. Oh, I'm my sure. You see it and you're yeah, like, I saw it. Yeah. Who's writing this again? Yeah. Like, why would you represent? Like, I don't remember saying the, like the word. I, I don't. Can I curse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go right ahead. Like the word cocksucker. Yeah. I know it, but I don't say it. My friends right. say it. That's that's another word that we don't. It's a word we don't use. And I remember there was some weird combination of cursing. And I was like, mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, you have to throw in a, a puñeta here and there. <laughs> make it real, do a carajo here. You know, do something, but not like that. Right. And I redid the word. I did it the first time, and I said, "Can I just try something?" And I did it differently, and I thought it sounded authentic, bomb. And I didn't get the part. And my agent told me, "Writers don't want you changing their words." I'm like, "Well," mm. and I saw the scene, and I got to tell you, 
It was a great scene because the actress who got it is a magnificent actress. And that's what happens in New York. You go up against the same actresses over Mm. and over. You're all trying for the same parts. And I'm sure it happens in LA, but New York, I think is a smaller pool. Yeah, yeah. New York, I've noticed it's a smaller pool of actors versus LA. There's like less, I've seen, it's actually more work here in New York than there. LA is, yeah, LA is a lot of kissing ass to agents and then, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of politics. Oh my God, I can imagine. Uh-uh. Yeah. I, but I can say one thing the, in Los Angeles, the Mexican community treated me like gold. Mm-hmm. And, but they, I believe that completely. They were wonderful. Like uh, I had fr- a lot of Mexican friends. I, I kind of do miss all that that was over there. It was different. They embraced everything. Um, but Hollywood in LA, I felt was very. Uh, now there's some shows because there's a show that I love called uh, that that fool that's very good remind me of LA but when I was there I saw a lot of shows that I was like oh this isn't even really they weren't really showing the true Los Angeles which is predominantly Mexican see that mm-hmm. there you go there's yeah. the, there, how is that relatable and but let me tell you all the LAPD Mexican yeah all of my daughters when she went to school were Mexican teachers. Everybody that works in Los Angeles, predominantly Mexican, you go to the banks, but they don't show that in L.A. They show. And then what about the comedy clubs? Are there a lot of Mexican comedians? There, there is some coming up, I mean, but there's a mixture. Mm-hmm. But never where they'll have three Mexicans and one white guy. Mm-mm. But we can have three white guys and one Mexican. Right. That usually happens more so than not. Right. Well, you'll get like the one, I'll be like the one token Latino. Right. So I know the token. token. I know yeah, the yeah. <laughs> And I wish, like, I, I long for the day when it's like four black comics, three Latinos, two black and a one, one, one white guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, not that, look, I, it's not, it's not, we're not the ones that def- who create these, these rules, right? It's right. powers that be, but we're the ones that have to speak out about it and say, you know, how about just the female? Why am I always the one woman on a show? Right. I have four guys and one woman. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. Please oh, let, thank you. let everybody know where they can follow you and then also share again your upcoming dates. Thank you, Mamita. I had a blast and you are like a marvelous. I love your accent, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. This is what happens. I start using this accent in, in, in LA and they're like, oh, she's from New York. Like, <laughs> you can't deny it. Um, you can follow me at Latin Diva Comedy on TikTok and Instagram. And um, my website is sarahcontreras.com. And I'm going to, you can get uh, access all of my dates on that um, website. But in February, I know I'm going to be in Englewood, New Jersey on the 3rd. On the 10th, I'm going to be in um, Allentown. And then I, um, I know I have some dates at the comic strip. I have to check. I just got the email today. But so I'll, I'll post those on the site. And then in uh, March, I hope to be down in Kissimmee. I haven't gotten the date yet. Oh, March, that's going to be good. I'm going to be in Chicago further down in the spring. And, you know, as soon as I know the dates and where I'm going to be uh, uh, debuting and putting together this one woman show, I will let you know. And in May, I am opening for Grupo Nietzsche in Trenton, New Jersey. So back to hosting and, you know, these gigantic arenas. So that was that was amazing. Nine thousand people. My last show. I was like, oh, my God. but I did it. Thank you so much for being. Thank on you, Amor. Thank you Sunday so much. Day. A new friend. All right.